Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's such a joy to be with you all today. If you're joining us on our live stream, I want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us for worship today from wherever you are. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. And that's my hope for you today, is that you feel a sense of belonging and hope as you encounter the risen Lord. Well, with that, I do want to say a word of prayer for you all as we join together in worship this morning. God of all love and all hope, I give you thanks today for the presence of your Holy Spirit with us. I pray that you are blessed beyond measure as your, as your people worship you, and I pray that you open the hearts of each one who is worshiping you today. Whether they be here at Kern Church or whether they be joining us on live, online, that you open hearts to receive your presence and your grace, that each one may leave this place knowing that they have had an encounter with your Spirit. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Friends, I, I grew up, I want you to know, I grew up in Chattanooga and I, I went to church as a child. And if you're familiar with Chattanooga, my home church was Christ United, Christ United Methodist Church. We called it Christ Church, like Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. I guess we call it Kern Church. Uh, and, and, and Christ Church has a, a pretty unique connection to Kern Church because one of your previous pastors, Mark Flynn, was also the pastor at Christ Church in Chattanooga. I, he was, Mark was never my pastor, but uh, he was always gracious to me when he was in Chattanooga and then also here, of course, being back in, in Oak Ridge. And I want to share with you just a, a little bit, just kind of personally what what life and what growing up in, in the church meant to me and what it was like growing up in, in that church. You see, during my childhood, our church was growing with, with new families and, and especially a lot of new young, young folks. But, but more importantly than that, it was just a place where, where I felt and I knew that I was surrounded by people that cared for me that were willing to give of themselves to invest in my spiritual life. Last week, we baptized our, our youngest child, George. And, and in baptizing George, his mother and, and I got before our congregation. We did it at the, other, the, the 11 o'clock service, but we were before this congregation and took vows. We took vows before God to raise George in the ways that lead to life eternal. But not only did, did we take the vows, our congregation took the vows too. And, and if you were a part of that, you physically took the vows. And if you weren't there, then other people took them for you. And because you're, yeah, I'm sorry, other people took them for you and, and you're bound by those same vows because you're a part of this, part, part of this church. Um, if you're a member of this church, you took those vows, and then they kind of get joined together. I, that's my, my logic, at least. But, but it's not just a vow that's taken with the parents and the child and God, but it's also a vow that, is, that brings the whole congregation, specifically the promise that was made by the congregation was this. It says, with you, you all, and, and, and if you were there or others in your, your behalf, said, with God's help, with God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that George, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith 
confirmed and strengthened in the ways that lead to life eternal. So it's a vow that says we are going to order our lives and order our hearts and order everything we do after the way of Jesus so that we can surround this young child in his growing and his upbringing in the ways that lead to life eternal. And when I was growing up in church, people made these similar vows and commitments to surround me with steadfast love and to establish me in the faith so that I could be confirmed and strengthened in the ways that lead to life eternal. And let me tell you, I think I probably challenged some of these people's vows. Like, I think I probably like made them question, you know, if people thought this way, whether or not they should have taken the vows in the first place. I mean, during Wednesday night activities that we would have growing up, there was a time when the children were dismissed to go to a children's choir. And there were a bunch of us, and we would put on plays and, and, and musicals or whatever, and I hated musicals then, and I still hate them today. And I let people know this, okay? I, I, ha- I think I have more of a filter, but I spent a lot of time um, in the hallway, right, outside the music room. I spent a lot of time um, with my parents having conversations about my behavior in the children's choir. I made these people earn their baptismal vows. I mean, these were well-paid volunteers, you know, trying to really invest in the life of us. I remember, especially with fondness, being in my fifth grade Sunday school class taught by, by Miss Letty Willingham. And at the time, I remember thinking that she was the oldest person that I knew. Um, of course, I was in fifth grade, and, 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 um, and I'm sure that I gave her a hard time, and I'm sure that saying I gave her a hard time minimizes the fact that I really gave her a hard time. But you know... She continued to invest in the lives of young people. At a time when all the other children's Sunday school classes were taught by people younger than her, and I thought they were old too, but but they were taught by people younger than her, she spent the time to invest in the lives of us. She knew the vows that she took at our baptisms to teach us the ways of faith. She knew them and remembered them and and worked on us. And even though that I probably made life difficult for her in that class, I remember it. 25 years later, I remember her kindness and her care that still make an impression on me today. More so, though, I remember those individuals and those couples who took time to invest in me and my friends during our years in the youth group. We had a paid youth leader and, 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 and uh, he, he organized things and invested in our lives and such. And, and, and he particularly made an impact on, on my life. But when I think back about it now as a, as a pastor, and especially thinking back, as it, back on it now as a, as a father, I am so thankful, so thankful for those adults. Adults that volunteered their time to invest in our lives. These were a group of amazing adults who knew the importance of, of investing, of really investing in the next generation. They knew the importance of the vows made at our baptism to order their lives after the ways of Christ. 
especially so that they could establish these young people in the faith. And these weren't folks with any formal training, right? These were, some of these folks were older. Uh, at the time, I thought they were much older, but once again, that's, don't think that anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, these, some of these folks were, were older. Some of these folks, some of these folks were younger. Some of them have kids. Some of them had kids, and some of them had grandkids. Some of them had already raised their kids. But they all responded to the vows that they made before God to raise the kids of the church and invested in their lives and invested in, in, in my life, invested in the lives of others. Some of these would teach our Sunday school classes. Some of these would come to our Wednesday night youth group meetings and just talk with us, just spend time talking with us. Some of these accompanied us on our, our mission trips that we would go on and also to resurrection. I think about one couple that opened their house, opened their house, and hosted our youth group for discipleship meetings in their home. This was a couple that, that loved each other, that had their own family, and, and yet they, they opened their home to these group of teenagers just to show that, that, they, that we mattered, that, that God had a, had a plan for us. Then when I professed my faith in Jesus for myself in the ninth grade, it was because of these, of these people. These are the ones who showed me what it was like to be a Christian. They showed me what it was like to, to live faith. They, these are the ones that showed me what it was like to really follow after the way of Jesus. They showed me what it was like to, to live an ordinary life, but also follow the way of Jesus. And none of them were perfect. None of them were pastors in the formal sense of the word. But each one cared enough. Each one cared enough to invest in our lives to make a difference. They were with me when, when I was at 16 years old at Resurrection. Our, our young people still go to Resurrection in Pigeon Forge. And, and this is a, our yearly youth retreat. And, and they were with me when I was at resurrection as a 16-year-old and I first heard God's call on my life to, to join with Him in full-time Christian ministry. And, and that wasn't something that just happened between me and God. Like if it was just up to me, and, and it probably wouldn't have happened. But it, it happened in the context of, of people like Brad and, and Tracy and Becky and, and, and Dennis and Patty and Damon and Jody and, and Letty Willingham, my fifth grade Sunday school teacher, and so many others that took just a little bit of time to make a long-term investment in the lives of others. And here's the thing, church, it wasn't just me either. Out of my youth group, three of us, three of us who grew up together were called by God to be pastors. Two of us are, are now actively serving as United Methodist pastors, and another is a pastor in another denomination. But you know, I, I, doubt, I doubt if any of us, I doubt if any of us would have been able to hear from God if it weren't for those adults, those, those people that, that loved Jesus and loved us, if it weren't for those adults who, who were called to invest in the lives of others. You see, they were called before I was called. They were called by God, uh, not in a, uh, necessarily a, a, a specific way, but called by God to invest in the lives of us, my friends, as we were growing up. Looking back on this time, growing up on the church, 
It seems as if we were just surrounded by extraordinary disciples of Jesus. But, but really, upon further examination, these were people who were just living out their faith. They were just living out their faith in their daily life, and they took just a little bit more time to invest in the lives of young people around them. To me, this highlights, this highlights the truth that to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to really be a full follower of Jesus Christ, you have something that's worth sharing with others. You have something that is worth sharing with others. While some have this idea that you can be a person of faith on your own, it doesn't really work that way. Instead, being a faithful follower of Jesus is about listening to God and investing in the lives of other people. Someone who knew this very well was one of Jesus' closest followers, a guy by the name of, of Peter. And like I said, Peter was a close follower of Jesus, but he didn't always get things right. In fact, a lot of times he would get things wrong. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll read stories in the Bible about Jesus and Peter, and Peter, Peter gets it spot on. He hits the nail right on the head, says the exact right thing, does the exact right thing. But then just a few sentences later, Peter is being reprimanded by the same Jesus who praised him, being reprimanded for getting things done wrong. Peter kind of learns how to be a follower of Jesus by trial and error. And Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Jesus didn't give up on Peter. In fact, Peter is the one who Jesus would then use to build up the church. And tradition tells us that, that Peter would, would then go on to write a letter to the followers of Jesus who were scattered throughout several areas in the world. And in this letter, he wanted to encourage these followers to live faithful lives. He wanted to encourage them to see their faith as more than just a private endeavor. He wanted to encourage them to listen to God and to invest in the lives of other people. So I want to share with you uh, some of this letter. I want to share with you a part of this letter. And if you have a Bible and you want to follow along with, with in your own Bible, I'm going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2. And really, this is a small letter. It's a small book in the Bible towards the end of the Bible. But what is written here really does hit home with this idea of faith being about listening to God and investing in the lives of other people. Here, here we read this. Instead, like a newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the Word. Nourished by it, you will grow into salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here, here you find this, this image comparing being a follower of Jesus Christ to being a newborn baby. Do you ever feel like in, in faith that you, you just have about as much knowledge as, as a newborn baby? You, you get things wrong, you fall on your face, and you, you need someone to hold your hand. Jesus is, or Peter is saying that, that you need to listen to God Listen to God, and as you listen to God, it will help you grow in the Spirit. It will help grow the Spirit of salvation in you. He says, you have tasted that God is good. So listen. Listen. And this is part of the individual faith, I think. This is part where, where God, or where Peter says, you know, um, you desire the pure milk of the Word. You desire growing relationship with God. You desire to be 
deeply connected to God. This is individual faith where you as an individual are invited to be nourished by listening to the Word of God and growing in faith. And this is the part I think that usually gets talked about at church, that, that it's about a faith development and growth in your life and your relationship with Jesus. But it's the next part, it's the next part, church, that, that really shows you that a full faith isn't just about you and God. It's also about how you invest in the lives of others. So I want to look now down to verse 4. Here, Peter writes, Now you are coming to Him as to a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective, it is chosen valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Thus it is written in Scripture, Look, I'm laying a cornerstone in Zion, chosen, valuable. The person who believes in Him will never be shamed. So God honors you who believe. For those who refuse to believe, though, the stone the builders tossed aside has become the capstone. This is a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe in the Word, they stumble. Indeed, this is the end to which they have been appointed. But you, you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that, so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the One who called you out of darkness into His amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Now here, we definitely find some rich language. In fact, I think we find a lot of rich language that's, that's rich in, in metaphor and imagery. We're talking about stones and builders and, and things that, that most of you and most of us probably don't have a, a large familiarity with. But I think even in the midst of, of the, the rich metaphor that Peter uses, that some of the language is clear enough. Peter says, you are being made into a holy priesthood. You are being made into a holy priesthood. And what I want you to notice about this is what is not said. Peter does not say, you are being made into a priest. He says, you are being made into a holy priesthood. He doesn't say, you are being made into a priest. If he said that, we, we might be able to assume that this letter was written to, to a pastor or some type of specific church leader. But no, Peter... Peter says, you, you are being made into a holy priesthood. For those that, that like grammar, this is plural, right? This is more than one. This is plural. You don't even have to like grammar to, to really understand that there's singular and there's plural. And this is plural. Maybe a better translation rendered in a more local vernacular might say, y'all, 
are being made into a holy priesthood. Y'all are being made into a holy priesthood. This isn't meant for, for one person. This isn't meant for the leader of the congregation. This isn't meant for the, for the pastor. This is meant for everyone in the church. Peter is saying that there is no passive faith. There is only the active faith of being made into a holy priesthood. And then when you read a little further, you see more of what he means down in verse 9. But you are a chosen race, he writes, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of the darkness and into his amazing light. Again, you find this same, y'all, y'all are a priesthood. It's either holy or royal, depending on which verse you're looking at, but, but I think you get the point. Y'all are a priesthood. And here's the thing about this. He doesn't say, part of it says you're, you're going to do this, but, but in this verse 9, he doesn't say you are going to be a priesthood. It's not a, a future thing. It, it, he doesn't say that if you do everything right, if you have the proper education, if you dress the, the right way, if you look nice enough, then you will be this priesthood. Peter says, hey, people of faith, you, y'all, are a royal, a holy priesthood. And I love what comes next, and, and that is Peter gives you the reason to why you are made into this priesthood, to why you have this, this calling of God. And the reason Peter says that you are a holy priesthood, is so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into the amazing light. In other words, he says you're a royal priesthood. You have a calling so that you can invest in the lives of other people and show them the salvation of God. You, can, you are a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. Y'all are this so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ to speak of the wonderful acts of God with other people, to invest in the lives of other people, or as the baptismal vow says, so that you can invest in the lives of others by surrounding them with steadfast love to teach them the ways that lead to life eternal. This is the call of what it means to be God's church. There are no bystanders in church. You are called to do the work of God. And for the most part, the work of God involves listening to God and growing in faith and then investing in the lives of other people. And, and that's it. It looks different for, for everyone and there are nuances to it, but that's really about it. Listening to God and investing in the lives of other people. And one of the most impactful ways that you can do this is to invest in the lives of the next generation of the next generation of faithful followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, someone taught you the ways of the faith. Someone, probably someone from a previous generation, taught you the ways of the faith, of how to believe in Jesus and what it meant to live your life. And, and one of the best ways that you can live this calling in your life is to invest in the lives of the next generation. And some of you may be thinking, you know, that's just not for me. But I want to tell you, it is for you. It is for you. Now, you may not be able to play dodgeball with middle schoolers, 
I don't even know if you're allowed to play dodgeball anymore, but um, uh, you are allowed. I get a thumbs up that you are allowed to play dodgeball. That's good to know. Um, dodgeball was a rite of passage as a, as a young person. Um, but, but, but you may not be of the age and stage of life where it's wise for you to play dodgeball with middle schoolers. Um, but investing in the next generation is still for you. I mean, if you're, if you're 90 years old, maybe investing in the next generation means investing in the lives of those that are retiring. Maybe if you're of retirement age or your kids are grown and moved out, maybe that means investing in the lives of people who are raising their families and, and their children, the, the middle school and the high schoolers and the young people. And, and you know, many of you, and for many of you, I want you to seriously consider the baptismal vows that, that you took when all of our young people were baptized into the faith. Where you promise to order your lives after the ways of Jesus, to encourage them and to lead them in the path to eternal life. I mean, we have a, a children's ministry director, and our youth ministry director has, has moved on to other things, and so right now we don't have a youth director. But this isn't the main job of the children's director and the youth director. The children at the church are, are your children. The youth at the church are your youth. And now I'll be the first to say that, that not everyone is called to be a Sunday school teacher or, or to be the chaperone on a youth retreat. It takes a certain kind of you know, mental dysfunction to be able to do that. Um, you probably have a little bit of this mental dysfunction if you're honest with yourselves. But, but not everyone is called to do that. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility and a calling to invest in the lives of those who are younger than you. Maybe it means talking with them about something that's important to you or, or hosting a, a, a gathering at your home or maybe it means in volunteering to mentor during our confirmation class that will start in the fall. And right now, we're kind of at a point in, in our church, in the life of our congregation, where we have to figure out, I mean, just legitimately figure out the nuts and bolts of, of what happens next with our youth ministry. So this is, is, is pretty timely, but whatever direction that we end up going as a church as it relates to youth ministry, you are important. And I want to invite you to pray and to consider how you can help because the youth of this church are your youth. The children of this church are your children. You know, how can you invest in the life of someone else? Did you have someone like this growing up? Is there someone in your life that, that cared enough for you to invest in your life, that, that taught you the faith, someone that showed you what it was like to live a normal life and to follow after the way of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to have the opportunity to be this to someone else, to be this person to someone else. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity because I, I trust me, the impact in your life is huge too. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to invest and to make a, a difference in the life of someone else, especially in the life of, of a youth or young people in our church. So today I want to invite you to consider how you can invest 
and the lives of other people. And I realize that for everyone, this is going to look different. It doesn't mean that everyone is going to be working with the youth and the children in a very specific way, although everyone is is called to, to invest in the life of the next generation. So if you're here in person and inside your bulletin, there's a, there's a gray card. I want you to take it out and just look at it. And if you're online, you can click the link to, to go to this same card online. I want you just to look at this card. And it's, it's, it's about investing in the lives of other people. You know, sometimes churches will say, you know, we've got these volunteer spots and, and, and we need somebody to fill a slot here at the church to, to, to uh, you know, do the dishes or to, to open the door. And, and, and while there are jobs and while jobs are important, what I want you to know, friends, is that investing in the lives of others is more important than any job. Investing in really making a difference in the lives of other people is more than just filling a slot or having a job. And so here's what I want you to consider. Uh, uh, you can uh, complete this today, or you can take it home, you can complete this online. Um, the, first, the first thing I want you to consider is if you can make an investment in the lives of our young people. If you can respond to, I'm listening to God's call to make a difference. And there's different, you can say, you know, maybe God's calling me to help with the littlest ones, or the elementary age, or the youth very specifically Vacation Bible School. And what I want you to know is that if you, you feel God acting on your life to help with the youth, that does not mean that you are, are being selected to be the next youth director at Kern Church. That does not mean that you're about to be asked to do everything. All that means is that we're going to have a conversation about what God is putting on your heart and how God wants to to work in your heart and in your ministry to other people to help them in their lives. And then also there's some other ways. And maybe maybe today you're not being called to to really invest in the lives of young people. And and, and I think that everybody is in some way. But but maybe there's something else that it's a little bit higher in what God is calling you to do. A little bit higher in priority on your heart. And there's some other ways that, that we've listed here that you might want to invest in, in, in the lives of other people and to make a difference at our church. And so I want to give this to you and I want to pray for you. And then we're going to move to a time of Holy Communion. Because it's at the communion table that, that, that God continues to invite and include the people of God to continue to invest and minister in your life. And then as, as you come forward to receive Holy Communion, there's some baskets up here. If you feel ready to, to, to put this card in the, in, the offer, or in the baskets, you can do so. If you want to take this home with you, you can do so. You can also scan the code and, and fill it out online. And I want you to know that this week, someone's going to contact you. Probably be me, but someone is going to contact you this week to create and figure out what our next steps are to continue to be in ministry and mission together. You know, sometimes you fill things out and you're like, well, nobody ever contacted me. I'm promising you, somebody will contact you this week unless the internet burns down and, and um, then we have other problems on our hands. But somebody's going to contact you this week so we can begin and continue to have the conversation about how God is calling you to use your gifts in ministry and mission together. Well, this time I want to invite the band to come, come back up, and I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're going to move to a time of communion. Almighty and blessed God, I thank You that, that You teach the faith to us through the lives of other people. 
I thank you that 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 your mission and ministry is more than just uh, just a solitary thing. So I, I pray for your church right now that that we will listen, that each one will listen to to what you are putting on our hearts, to to realize that faith is not a bystander sport, but yet you will call each of us to invest in the lives of other people. And as we, your church, gather in this space, I recognize that you've invested in us. So strengthen us in your ways that lead to life eternal. Amen. Dear church, this meal that we have before us today is a meal of Holy Communion. It's a time when followers of Jesus are invited to taste and receive the presence of God to be filled in their heart. It's a time when when God invites us to respond to Him in a powerful way. When Jesus was meeting with His disciples before He would meet His end, Peter was there. Peter was there and he, had, he was just about to get some stuff wrong and, 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 and fail even after he received this meal. But, but Jesus met with them and he said, you know, this is the body of Christ. He raised the bread and, and blessed it and said, oh God, make this be the body of Christ. So each time you eat of this, you do so in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, they, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, the church continues to participate in this holy and sacred meal. The bread and the cup to inspire, to fill and to transform the heart so that you can live the life of Jesus on a daily basis. Will you pray with me? Send forth now the resurrection power of Your Holy Spirit, Almighty God, to make this be for us the body and the blood of Jesus. By Your Spirit, make us one. One with You, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. So that through your ministry and our investing in the lives of others, all may know that you love them. And all may grow in connection with you. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Friends, this is the body of Christ given for you. The cup of Christ poured out for you. Come as you were led by God. God, I thank You for this holy meal. May You inspire Your servants to life and to ministry. May You sustain our very hearts. Amen. God has chosen to build God's kingdom through You this very day. May You be blessed by the blessing power of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.